0: The following program was pre-recorded. On WFAN, it's time for Hello, My Name is Craig. Our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey. 800-GAMBLER.
1: Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you. And for the next 30 minutes, a frank, open, honest conversation about gambling addiction. Uh, As always, joining me from Epic Risk Management is our friend Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. How are you?
0: Greg, I'm doing great.
1: And joining us on the line today, uh, another gambler in recovery, as I am and Dan is. And this is Barry. Barry, good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Yeah, Thank so you. Barry, me. how long have you been in recovery? When was your last bet? My last
2: bet was July 1st of 2018.
1: Congratulations. Thank
2: you. Yes, a day at a time.
1: Well, let's go backwards
2: in time for a bit. Uh, walk me
1: through... Your earliest memories of gambling
2: well uh, I get, <clears throat> I'm in my mid sixties right now, so you know I look back uh, going back to the days being in high school before computers before cell phones, and it started with the Friday night poker games that you would have every Friday night and you know I live outside of Atlantic City, so going to the Atlantic City racetrack and then you know going to college and You know, then starting with sports betting and, you know, going to the Meadowlands racetrack and hitting a trifecta and jumping on a plane and going to the Bahamas to, you know, everybody talked about a place called Resorts International. And, you know, so I started back in my, you know, my early teens and it continued through college. And when I graduated college, I moved out to San Diego, which wasn't too far from Las Vegas. And, You know, started going out there on weekends, and then, unfortunately, what you hear all the time is, you know, I went and made that phenomenal big score, uh, you know, back in 1980 in Las Vegas. And, you know, I know we don't talk numbers, and it's all in proportion, but, you know, it was a substantial uh, hit, and, you know, it it, it was uh, – You know, you might say in a way, maybe you've been chasing the same thing for the last forty years. I hear you. Um, You
1: know, it's funny. I know GA doesn't like talking numbers. Every now and then, I think it's appropriate, and I'm not asking you the number. It's irrelevant to me. But every now and then, I think to give people a sense of of the reality of gambling. You know, when you talk to guys making fifty grand a year who have you know twenty thousand dollar gambling debts, or a guy making a hundred grand, who Dan, you know, we've talked about guys like this a lot. Who will, who will rate, wager your three month salary at a night in a casino or on a ball game to chase losses? Sometimes I think the money is relevant, but I do respect that in the GA community, you know, you don't put numbers uh, attached to it because it's the behavior more than the amounts of money. So do you found that you were the kind of stereotypical early win, chasing that win because I'm
2: trying to get it again type of guy? Uh. Yeah, look, we all we all know that this thing is progressive. So you know, going back to the numbers in nineteen eighty, you know, when you go to Las Vegas with six hundred dollars and you turn it into fifty thousand dollars, right? It, it, you know, I mean, and of course, you know, what what's the first thing you do? You go back and you say, hey, this was easy, and you try to win more. Sure, you know, because as we all know, no win is big enough. You know, so you know, and then as this illness, and, and I don't even like using the word illness anymore, and I know. Look, I know some people say, you know, don't use the word G.A. outside of the room. It's not 1957. It's not 1980 anymore. The, wor- the world has changed. And I want people to know I'm proud of who who I've become. But, you know, we, we all, you know, the then, you know, it started, the casinos opened up in Atlantic City when I was in college. And, and you know, you start with the blackjack and the craps. And, and most of my friends, you know, got into the industry because we were all from Atlantic City. Sure. And, you know, you go there and you know blackjack. It wasn't fast enough for me. And then you know, you walk over to slot machine and you put five dollars in and you you win ten thousand dollars. And then, you know, as we as we said, you know, this whole thing it's just progressive. You know, there's no win that is big enough.
1: So what's interesting about this, uh, and Dan, I'll let you chime in. And Barry, please tell me if I have this wrong. We've talked to a lot of guys who there was one particular game, whether it's blackjack or sports or slots or whatever it was that was their bugaboo, but it sounds to me like it didn't matter what the game was. You were just looking to play and be in action. Yeah. A-
2: absolutely. You, you know, look, yeah. uh, it didn't matter what we bet on, it, you know, it could be whether or not the next car that went by the license plate was odd or even, right. It's just, you know, it, it's who we are. It's a, you know, yeah. it, you know, it's a brain disease, it, it, you know, and that's what has really helped me, you know, with the recovery is educating myself, you know, this program, I, you know, I challenged it in the beginning, but, you know, I you know, I always call the very – you know, they say it's a simple program. It's a simple program for complicated people. That's what it is. Dan, yeah. let me let you, you know, jump in on that. Go ahead. Yeah, it's funny
0: because I think about the type of gambling. There's so many different forms of gambling. But the one thing that I, I hear consistently and I experienced it myself is that I needed to play the games either faster, more often, more frequently, whatever it was, that – when I first started gambling, it was going to the Meadowlands racetrack. And it was like 20 minutes between each horse race. And that was fine. But as it progressed, it was like I didn't want that time in between each race, that, that dopamine boost. So now it was like betting all the other simulcast races that are, and you're running from terminal to terminal to make sure you get your bet in. And that carried over into the online world. You know, I, I would bet on a sporting event. Instead of waiting 3 hours for the game to finish, I'm playing blackjack during the entire football game just so there could be constant action. Didn't care what it was, but I just wanted action all the time.
1: Yeah, and then it gets to a point for me at least. You know, you mentioned resorts, uh, Barry. You know, I have the single all-time largest win in resorts world history in Bimini, and I didn't tell a single person about it. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't buy anything. I didn't celebrate. And you know, 2 weeks later I was in Atlantic City, you know, and I lost a whole bunch of money. Um, so it got to me where I, I wasn't chasing the wins. I was chasing the action. I had to play, and I had to play as often as possible. And it sounds like you became the same kind of guy I did.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, if it wasn't, you know, five, six nights a week or just, you know, when, when you live close, it's a five minute, it was a five-minute ride for me. And, you know, you talk about, you know, constantly have to be in action, you know. You look at guys who sit there and they play blackjack. Next thing you know, they're playing four—you know—they're playing three, four hands at a time, the same as me playing four slot machines at a time. You know, you're just walking up and down and just—you know—it's the brain just keeps need to be fed. You know, this this compulsive—you know—disease illness. So, what did
1: you you do financially? I assume there are moments in your life when you found yourself in a bad place. Uh, How did you wind up? You're getting the money you needed to either pay off debts or to gamble more.
2: Well, that that's what, look, that that's what got me where I am today. Because obviously in the beginning, I was able to control it. And what do we all do? We hide it from our spouses, from our family, from our, our you know, our family members. And then you start with the credit cards and you start running up the credit cards. And then, you know obviously we all need to get money and, you know, like you and, and Gary, you know, I lost my anonymity, uh, right from the beginning. Um, and I came to this program the terrifying way. So, you know, you and I share something, uh, you know, in common here because I, I did come the terrifying way where, you know, whatever I had to what well, we all do, whatever you have to do to get money right. um, is, is what we did is what we did. And, you know, my, you know, when you say, how did I get here? I came to terrifying experience on a beautiful July morning at 7 a.m. You know, two people from uh, the IRS with badges came knocking on my door. So, you know, that, that's how I came to this program. Was um, there
1: any, I wonder this, uh, when the IRS comes knocking at your door, I mean, you, you, you know why they're there. No one else knows why they're there that lives in the house with you. Was there any sense of relief that they came to your door because it got you off the the you know the that gerbil cage spinny thing and it, it, it allowed you now to deal with it or no
2: it well right there at that exact moment no but as things played out uh it's probably the best thing that happened to me cuz that's what got me to you know come to the point to accept the fact that I was just powerless over you know what I I was powerless over the bet. I was powerless over the game, you know, and look, you know, when you're sitting there trying, what was I trying to do? You know, at the end it was all slots. I was trying to beat a computer. Right. You know, so, you know, uh, as things played out, um, you know, in the long run, it's the best thing that happened to me. And, you know, the last three and a half years, look, we all have to be held accountable for what we did. You sure did. And and I sure did too. You know, I had to, you know, I get, you know, was in the legal system. I'm still in the legal system, uh, in a way. Uh, the consequences will follow me for probably the rest of my life. Um, but I have a much better life now. Let's let let's put it that way. Well, let me um, let me stop I,
1: you on that note because yeah. I want to get into that with you. We're talking to Dan Chilair and Barry uh, as well. This is hello. My name is Craig. We'll continue on right after this.
0: Back to more of "Hello, my name is Craig" on the Fan with your host Craig Carton and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey eight hundred Gambler. Welcome
1: back to "Hello, my name is Craig." Dan, of course, is always some epic risk management and uh, Barry's in the middle of a story. Before I get to the good stuff, Barry, you know you referenced you know the IRS showing up your door, you're flashing badges, and then you know you had to start dealing with the reality of your gambling addiction. Uh, is that that moment in time when they knock on the door was that the drop dead low moment for you that made you or drove you to get help or was there something after that that you could share with us that eventually drove you to admit you had a problem Look, it, it,
2: it, it, that at, at that exact moment i knew right then and there that my wife was at rock bottom was falling apart and uh, you know, it was very strange because for some reason, and I have no idea why, uh, but I had been friends with somebody who obviously got in trouble quite a while ago, and you know, he was my next door neighbor going back very far. And for some reason, I did not know he was involved in in recovery, involved in the program. Right. But I I, I call I picked up the phone and I called him. Why? I have no idea. Hmm. And if you talk to him, we'll say, I have no idea why I even answered the phone. You know, I didn't recognize it. And, you know, if you ask him, this is a divine intervention moment. You know, the, you know, that that's his opinion. I have you know, there are no coincidences, maybe. Uh, but you know, I, I reached out to him and, you know, obviously I was beat up and, you know, scared and, and, you know, my family, my business, uh, you know, I, I always took care of a lot of people who suffered from other addictions. I never looked at myself as an addict, you know, I just never did that. But I sat there, I called him and we met. And the first thing he said to me was, I commend you on having the courage. And this is what it's gonna take. It's gonna take a lot of courage to deal with what you have to deal with.
1: Let me stop and you there want, for one second. Danny, I, I want yeah. you to jump in on this. Because yeah, uh, Barry said something there that resonated with me, and that is he never thought of himself as an addict, and yet he helped other people who had addictions. The denial of the addiction is very powerful.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's always, you know, it's, it's so common that it's easier to see it in someone else before we recognize it in ourselves. And that's, that's the common theme. And that's why it's so important that the, the family members and the loved ones and the friends also are involved in the conversation when we talk about recovery. Because it's, it's, if, if the person in, who struggles with the gambling addiction thinks that he or she can do it on their own and they don't need any help or support, they are sadly mistaken. And you, you spend this whole life as the addiction grows being isolated and or isolating yourself from others. And then to think you can recover in that same isolation it just doesn't happen. So, yes, it's easier to see where other people are falling short and for us to kind of step in and, as they say, take someone else's inventory because it's really hard to take your own inventory and realize all of the missteps. It's very humbling. And when that ego is really big, no one wants to take a look at what all of the mistakes that he or she has made.
1: And, Barry, I can tell you this. I speak about this a lot on this show. I assume you're the same. Once you legitimately stopped gambling and were committed to recovery and living a gambling-free life – the amount of open brain matter you have is amazing, isn't it?
2: Uh, yeah, you're. You're. Look, even when you're not gambling, what are you doing? You're thinking about it, yeah. you know. So, you know, it opens up a lot of room uh, to do a lot of things with. And you know, when, when I came to my first meeting, and and you know, and I started reading things, you know, and and when it says, you know, suffering from the most insidious, baffling, compulsive addiction, or You know, all this stuff sort of like just hit me right away and and sort of told me, you know, who I am. Uh, And I just couldn't get enough of it. And I still can't get enough of it. Um, you, You know, so it's, you know, as I said, it's a very simple program for complicated people. But, you know, I do the work. I, You know, I go to meetings. Everybody has a different way of dealing with it or dealing with the recovery. And my thing is just keep coming back. Keep coming back and things will start to sink in after a while you know you got to reprogram this brain it's been doing something for the last 50 years that now it does not do anymore
1: and just out of curiosity did you, what, what, you know, when they knocked on your door and you knew you got you were going to be in a whole bunch of trouble was that it did you gamble again after that for whatever the reason might be or was it a cold turkey that was the last day
2: that was that was that was the final breaking point that that was that was the uh, the last time that I gambled, actually a couple of days before that, you know, was. But, no, that was the end. That's when I had to start, you know, take, emptying out the closet of all the stuff that, you know, has been in there for a very long time. And um, you referenced how life's not perfect
1: now, and you're still dealing with some of the, uh, you know, the issues that you brought upon yourself years ago. Give uh, people that are at the very beginning of this, your day one where they know they've got a problem or they just had the knock on the door and they've uh, been gambling for X amount of time and now they got to get real and, and get some help. Can you give people an idea of the reality that if you do commit yourself to recovery and to not gambling, that life can turn around for the better?
2: Look, when, when they sit there, this, this thing is all about hope. And if you look up, you know, the definition of hope, it's being optimistic. You, you know, and, and I just sat there and I said, okay, you know, I'm not going to let what I did in the past define who I am or where I'm headed. And in a, in a way, that's what you're doing too. You know, you, you know, so I, the, the program, it, it works, it, you know, this, this program works, but you're not going to do it alone. And I grasped onto that right away. And, and there, you know, the other people, there was a lot of people there to help me, uh, especially the people who kept coming back. That's why it's so important that you just keep coming back and you leave the person out. You know, I hear all this stuff, you know, leave the personality at the door. All right. You get 20 people in a room, you got 20 different personalities. We're all here for one reason. And the first reason is to stop gambling. When you stop gambling and they talk about like the financial end of it is the easiest part to solve. I didn't believe that in the beginning because sure. i was so far in debt, you know, but when you stop gambling, you're immediately taking that first drain off of you right away. But that it does become the easiest thing to deal with. Uh, it's then, you know, going back and, you know, I also learned that, you, you know, you can't look at the, you can't you got to put the past behind you, because if you keep going back to the past and keep getting into the pity party and everything else, you're just you're just not going to you, you can't move forward. And obviously, you know, I all had all this stuff that I had to deal with from a legal point of view uh, that I still had to deal with. And, you know. The, the system does not move fast, you know, as fast as we wanted to move, because that's the type of people we were. We were compulsive. We wanted an answer tomorrow. You know, it took years, you know, for me to get to my final outcome of what my case was going to be. And in the beginning, it was very frustrating for me because you sit there and a lot of people don't understand this addiction. You know, if you drink or you do drugs or whatever it is, they can smell it, they can see it. This we can hide, you know. So, You know, besides educating myself, I had to educate other people along the way with me, uh, recognizing that this is, you know, a, a real addiction. But, you know, the continuing going to meetings, being involved with people who had successfully stopped gambling for a long period of time. You know, they showed me a way, and and you know, in the beginning, they would just say, you know, if you keep coming to meetings, I guarantee you things will work out. Right. I hate when they said that to me.
1: Yeah, me too. You know, in the
2: beginning, <laughs> you know, it was always, you know, that was Gary's thing. You know, I guarantee you things will work out if you do the right thing, and 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 I did. And you know what? The truth set me free. And well, I mean, I think it, that's it, the
1: biggest part of it is the the honesty part of it. Because you, you, you do live a lie. Uh, whether you're outright telling somebody a lie or you're just withholding the truth from people, it's still a lie. And you live that way while you're knee-deep in it. So once you are willing to you know, look in a mirror or look at another person and admit that you have a gambling problem and you're honest about all, all aspects of it, I do believe that's the day everything changes for you. And until you are willing to be honest about it, I don't think anything's going to change. I think honesty is the number one most important thing in our recovery from gambling addiction, at least in my experience. I don't know, Dan, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Honest with yourself, honest with others, because it all stems from honesty. I mean, we it does us no good if we're starting off with the same lies or similar lies that we continued in the past. I mean, we're starting from a fractured foundation at that point, so I agree with you.
1: Well, Barry, I appreciate you coming out and sharing your story. I think stories like yours just help other people recognize that you know, it's average, everyday, normal people that uh, sometimes get caught up in this, and, uh, and it's a bad road to go down. And if I can ever return the favor, just uh, reach out and ask, okay?
2: I appreciate it, and thanks for having me on. And once again, thank you for, uh, for the work that you do. Thank you. Take care. All right, so there's
1: uh, Barry, uh, Dan. Any final thoughts or something that uh, stuck to you based on hearing his story?
0: i just love hearing the perspective of someone who's really embraced the the ga fellowship and the ga program and you know you and i talk about all the time listen all roads lead to recovery but there's a good example of what's worked for barry and what's worked for so many others before barry and that will come after barry but at the end of the day just pick up the phone call ask for help you know it's okay to let your guard down it's okay to be vulnerable but you have to have that willingness that desire for change, and it all starts with honesty, as you said.
1: Listen, it's like the old cliche, you know, you can't get wet if you don't jump in the pool,
0: right? Absolutely. You, know,
1: you, you Absolutely. can't get help if you don't take the first step and uh, surround yourself by people who are willing to help you. And I should say to people, the people that are willing and want to help folks like us, they don't want anything in return for it. You know, That's it's right. they're just there because they've lived a similar experience and want to use that experience to help other people. And uh, that type of... I call it, it's almost charity work, really. But, you know, that type of uh, assistance is immeasurable and will absolutely change your life. So, Dan, as always, appreciate you coming on. And uh, we'll do it again next week.
0: Sounds great. Thanks, Craig.
1: All right, this was Hello, My Name is Craig. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And thank you for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig.